Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Doctor Podcast. We are here, as we always are, immediately after the 2020 Apple WWDC keynote event. I am Robert, one of the Tech Doctors. Along with me is Allison. And good afternoon, Allison Malloy. How are you? Hello. I am very excited to be here. We also have, as has become our tradition, Mr. David Woodbridge. And David, I'll just say to you, hello, big sir. <laughs> yes, I couldn't help twittering about that because I thought, unless you know what big sir actually is, I can imagine a lot of people going big S-I-R, oh, not yeah. big S-U-R on Twitter. People have used the screen reader, so that's going to be interesting. That is going to be interesting. Yeah. And I'm one of the people who didn't know how it was spelled. So thank you for pointing that out. And we will be talking more about Big Sur a bit later. So this was a, a, a rather amazing uh, keynote and a rather amazing WWDC this year, given that it's all virtual. It's all online. No audience. And what did you all think of that aspect of it? That you know that that there were no people cheering, and uh, and it just flowed from one thing to another. How how was that for you all? At first, I wasn't sure what to think, and at first, I kind of got the impression that that Tim Cook maybe wasn't sure how to really deal with that either. But he kind of hit his stride, um, and I kind of honestly got to a point where I didn't miss the audience. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I actually found it actually really, really good because I had a person via messaging and her and I were just talking backwards and forwards. <clears throat> so I could actually, I got told when they were sort of flying around the Apple campus from presenter to presenter and what was happening on the screen a little bit. So that was quite fun. And like Alison, I did absolutely not miss the every now and again, somebody messenger fish and they go, hooray. It's like, yeah, it, like, it, it does add. Yeah. Time. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I thought, you know, be quiet journalists, just get back in your box. Yeah. And your uh, <laughs> no, it was, I found it really, really good, but you know, I was, I was, I was waiting a bit at about an hour and a half in, but mm -hmm. uh, besides that, it was very, very fast paced. It was. And, uh, Tim did start off by talking a bit about uh, the things that are going on in in the U.S. with uh, systemic racism, and he talked about how important uh, that is to Apple and some of the things that they're doing to uh, support uh, some of the uh, changes that are being made, in including offering um, quite a bit of support to uh, developers who are black. So it was kind of an interesting way to talk about both a little bit about racism and about the, the COVID, um, virus. And of course talked a bit about Apple's role and, and how their products are, are being especially useful during this time of pandemic and, um, uh, ch change that's going on in, really throughout the world right now. Any comments about any of that? Well, I think it's fantastic that they're having the, um, the, uh, the development camp for, uh, for black developers. And I, it was, it was, an, I mean, Apple has always been very socially conscious, but it felt really good to me during this time to have, um, 
to have them open with something that's so important rather than let's just take a look at our sales figures again. You know, it really just hit home to me how, how really, um, how much Apple really cares. Yeah. As she was quite funny, I can remember sitting at uni back in 1980, when was it, two, talking about social social injustice, injustice, um, sexuality, racism, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, isn't it pretty sad that almost 40 years later, having exactly the same conversations, the psyche in some ways would grow up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, let's hope that there can be some real change this time. So uh, Craig immediately came up and started talking about iOS 14 and they have redesigned the home screen so that it's going to offer a lot more features and hopefully a lot better ways to organize apps and to get to those apps that are hidden away on the pages that that we don't ever get around to going to. What do you all think about the new uh, the, the new potential design of the home screen? I am so interested to see the the app library. It kind of reminds me from the few times that I played with Android of the of the app drawer, um, and I'm and I'm very interested to see that. Part of me wonders because when I want to launch an app, seven times out of ten, I'm turning the phone to braille screen input mode and just typing in the first few letters of the app I want to launch and swiping right with two fingers. So I could definitely see it being useful and I want to take a look at it. I like the idea of hiding pages because it is a little bit overwhelming having all those pages of apps. Um, so that will be very interesting. I uh, definitely want to check it out. I'm going to be putting the beta on my phone tonight because now I have a separate work phone so I can do that. <laughs> oh, you can start yeah. right away with it. Heck yeah. Indeed, uh, what, what I'm what I'm interested in, in is looking at the. I mean, the app library sounded really good, and that's where you, they, the system will automatically uh, organize all the apps, and you've got your favorite ones at the top that you can pin to the top. But what interested me was the widgets that you could drag out of the notification center and whack them on your home screen. Mm-hmm. That's for a long be cool. time. Yeah, because for a long time, I've just wanted my weather app on my home screen. To just say, I don't know, 25 degrees Celsius. Like you just said, at the moment, it just says weather. It's like, yeah, so uh, what's the rest of the information? So <laughs> that seems to be really, really interesting to find out. And that picture-on-picture picture one, of course, now comes to the iPhone from the iPad where you can have your video playing plus an app on the screen at the same time. And you can put it in landscape mode and to look at it, or you can push it off to the side and still have the audio running for videos. That looked really, really interesting as well. So I think the widget one and the app library, they're the two main ones that, you know, really caught my attention. Yeah. And what did you all think about the updates they talked about to Siri? I was very interested specifically in the in the Translate app. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that it really they didn't talk as much about really making her all that smarter um, because she's got some problems. <laughs> yeah. T- talked a little bit about, about some little uh, bit. fact things that have been added and so forth, but didn't say a whole lot. 
Yeah. But but what you're referring to is is apparently a, a quite an impressive ability for Siri to um, be used to automatically translate information into other languages. Mm, I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Um, the the other one that really got me interested with Siri was that it's supposedly it's going to access more data sources. So. At the moment, at least here in Australia, if I ask my Google Assistant for the next bus from my location to the train station or the train station into Sydney, I get that. But with Siri, it just says I, I can't give you timetable information. So I just hope mm. that, that those better data sources that it's going to be accessing can do more, particularly with public transport, because they put so much work into maps in right. particular that I wish they could do with Siri. But it was interesting when they were talking about maps and cycling. It's like, guys... Can't you at least mention something to do with wheelchair access or accessibility? Because my wife's occasionally in a wheelchair because she can't walk long distances. And we often get stuck when we go somewhere because we didn't realize that, you know, there's 25 stairs. It's like there's mm -hmm. no way you're going to get a 150 kilo wheelchair up a set of 25 stairs. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, what might be beneficial, though, is there are the cycling routes you can have it do that that avoid stairs altogether. So that yeah, might well, be beneficial. True. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Yep. You'll have to see they they, they did they did talk under maps talk a lot about um, uh, cycling be, being added. We'll see what what the, what that's all like. They uh, they talked a bit about um, some new additions to messaging, including the ability to better deal with groups in messaging. That mm. seems seem like a, a a positive thing. I don't know that we need to spend much time on it. Oh, actually, well, what got what got me about messaging, and this goes with the Mac as well that we'll talk about later on, but the fact that you can pin a conversation to the top of your yes. message. Mm -hmm. So I'm often talking to about four or five people all at the same time in messages. Um, I might be talking to my contacts at Apple. I'm talking to work. I'm talking to friends. I'm talking to the developer. All, all going on at the same time, and it's just really irritating sometimes to think. So the primary one's probably that person, so I'm going to stick them at the top of the list. So I'm really looking forward to the fact that you can pin your conversations now. That sounds really, really cool. Mm -hmm. It does. So um, we, we kind of we hit on maps. We'll move past that. There were some few other features they, they talked about in maps, which I'm sure will be interesting. But they um, then went on to uh, CarPlay. And I know how much you enjoy... Uh, Recording from your car at times <laughs> time, uh, David. So, um, you, you might really enjoy this this car play situation, especially if your wife will give you your own digital key, right? I know. Well, actually, as it turns out, my son's about to turn sixteen. So, in Australia, you can start to get your what we call the L for learners license, where you can go and learn with your mum and dad and or not me in particular, hopefully. But what got me was the fact that they're actually going to start delivering uh, digital keys. So, um, and I think they're said only with BMW and a few other brands at the moment. But what, what I liked about it was with your digital keys, that of course is based on the NFC chip. So rather than, you know, the, the car detecting that you've got the key in the car and you can press the button to auto start, with the digital key, what sounded really, really cool was that you can then assign that key to, say, your teenage son, who you can then put, it sounds like, certain parameters on that key. So yeah. that sounded really, really cool. So, I, you know, we've got a, and I keep going about my Sidbury Forester, and it's my second room for doing my recordings. But um, that's going to be really interesting. So I don't know how long it's going to take before Subaru gets there but you know maybe that might be an excuse to buy a new car by then yeah well maybe it'll get there <laughs> faster than we think 
Um, <laughs> because I do think the digital key, which is going to enable you to start your car essentially with your iPhone so that you won't need an actual key. I think it, it's a really cool idea and I can only imagine what kind of restrictions you can put on it. You know, like yeah. son, if you're not uh, home by 11 o'clock, that car's not going to start. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be good or bad. A lot of parents are going to be, uh, Getting calls. Right. Hey, hey, Matt. According to my log file here, you were going, you were supposed to be going only only seventy kilometers an hour, and this says you're going ninety five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine that's going to be quite a deal there. So that, that we've been hearing about that for a little while in the Apple community that they were probably going to do something like that. So they they then moved on to talk a bit about the App Store. Um, that it's going to be made available in new ways. And one interesting thing, we're going to have something called App Clips, which lets you download a little piece of an app that you need if you suddenly realize you need to, I don't know, rent a scooter or buy some food or or park someplace. And we did, they didn't flesh this out a whole lot, but it sounds like you know App Clips is going to be a quick way to get access to something that you don't where you don't have the full app loaded on your phone that's very interesting i will be interested to see you know obviously in terms of accessibility but just also in terms of functionality if Mm. if i end up using it i think it's one of those things that as they become more more widely available i'll probably find uses for it yeah i mean you can imagine the amount of the amount of because i sometimes think of all this sort of stuff i mean and it is a developers conference how much extra work does, does the developer have to start do to implement all these new updates and changes and sure of sharing apps and it's like my god gosh from a user's point of view it sounds fantastic but you think you know are there poor developers in the back room now tearing out their hair it's like oh my god it's one more complexity now now i've got to worry about um to make sure that my app can do those little applet type things but the thing I missed about with the App Store, I just wish they could have done a little bit more, maybe improving or talking about how they've made it easier to actually find apps on the App Store because that's still a pain in the neck even till today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you are right. There, there, hear developers all the time talking about how their summer is always spent frantically trying to get their apps ready for the fall, and that's the way it's been for a long time. Speaking of all that, they moved on to iPad OS and looks like they've done a, a lot of redesign. They've um, added a, a new sidebar and new widgets. And again, who knows what that's going to mean for developers. D- done a lot of improvements to photos, uh, notes, files. Um, so iPad OS is interesting these days, isn't it? I don't currently, I don't have a, a current iPad, so I don't, I don't, I don't really do much with it except for I keep my wife's uh, iPad Pro updated, and so I, I see it a little bit. But it, it is interesting that now that it's kind of come into its own, it's no longer a a, a large iPhone anymore. No, and look, the, other, the really cool thing about the iPad, I mean, the iPad, I really like the idea of the sidebar and the, the extra toolbar options because. Half the time, particularly if you're a voiceover user, you spend so much time navigating around the screen, trying to find the controls. Whereas if everything's sort of stuck in this sort of toolbar-y, context menu-y thing, and then you've got sidebar to get to maybe better documents or different sources, that to me is much more efficient. And 
that sort of reminded me of like that's what the Mac does in some ways with the sidebar mm-hmm. and the toolbar. So <laughs> I think they're really starting to marry the the differences between both Mac OS and what the iOS and the iPad OS does. So I thought I, I really pricked my ears up when they were talking about the sidebar and toolbar because I thought that's just going to increase productivity, particularly if you're a screen reader user. Yeah, I think so too. Oh yeah, and I I have a lot of low vision friends who like the Apple Pencil and being able to draw and take notes and everything with it. So um, I liked that some of the features they talked about with that too, of being able to to you know move text around and in notes and being able to draw and have it convert to text um, mm-hmm. and writing. Cool. Yeah, I wondered if that scribble feature they were talking about is is actual uh, OCR. If it's actually turning that turning that scribble into yeah. uh, text that is recognized by a character recognition, it sounded like it. It did sound like it, didn't it? Yeah, and it was funny because when I was talking to my friend on Messenger, she said, "Well, remember, voiceovers had the handwriting mode for a long time, so mm. just doing a handwriting mode on the on the iPad, it's like, yeah, of course they do it now. So that's going to be really interesting. And the other thing about the the drawing was that." Um, if you did a crappy drawing, like you couldn't quite join a circle or a triangle or anything else, the AI and the AR stuff would actually make it a better drawing. So I thought, oh, maybe I can go back to my pre-lost sight days and start drawing cars and animals. Yeah. And hey, there you again. go. Yeah, so my children don't turn around and go, what the frigging hell is that supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let us, let us know how that works out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So then we moved on to AirPods, and they're going to now support real, true, automatic switching. And I really wonder how that is or isn't going to work well with voiceover. It's either going to work beautifully or it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be seamless. I mean, they've, 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 yeah. they've really, I mean, when I transfer my iPhone to my HomePod and I walk in the house at night time, that works beautifully. That does. Yeah. Works home button that's just beautifully so, and I noticed a little bit better lately with my AirPods Pro, particularly when I pick up my Apple Watch. Um, the uh, audio seems to transfer, so that'll be really, really, really good. But the thing that caught my attention was the spatial audio. It's like, yeah, oh, I can't wait. Oh, oh my no. goodness, because interesting, I don't know if you've two, two seen this on Twitter, but I noticed there's a tweet about something about how Bose it may be discontinuing the Bose frame, so they're not gonna, yeah, keep- I heard oh. That the reality stuff. I thought, well, maybe they saw the writing on the wall with Apple or somebody mentioned mm-hmm. that. But, but I just thought, what's the, and the, the really cool thing about the, the spatial audio was that um, it would actually track, so if you listen to a movie, the or the person's um, character's voice would come out of a certain spot with the spatial audio, the proper 3D effect around you. And if you turned your head, of course, like the Bose frames do, um, it would transfer the audio that direction. I thought that is just absolutely spectacular type stuff. So essentially you're getting surround sound through your AirPods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's going to be brilliant. And they've done yeah, it through you know, the magical use of the accelerometer and to detect yeah, your head movement. And it, 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 it doesn't surprise me really. This is all built in, in my opinion on some of the basic audio technology that they developed for the home pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, true. And they're now bringing it to the the AirPod, which is really cool. I can't wait to try it out myself. Might be an excuse to buy another pair of AirPods now. 
Sure, of course. <laughs> well, you, you didn't. You, there was a big rumor that you were going to get to buy potentially some new over-the-ear uh, headphones, but they weren't announced today. So they were not. They, oh, they, 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 they saved you a fair amount of money there. <laughs> so you can afford some more AirPods. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's all voodoo economics anyway. Um, exactly. So. Uh, I don't know too much to say. They we the next moved on to to the new uh, watch OS, and the most mm-hmm. interesting thing to me about what, what they talked about there is they've developed quite a bit of sleep tracking stuff mm-hmm. for the watch. That's going to be handy for me because I have terrible sleep issues. Yeah, so I do too. Hopefully, they'll be able to they'll be able to help me figure some stuff out, provided that the battery lasts. Long yeah. Enough. My fear is that it won't help me figure much out, but it'll it'll confirm. Yeah, this is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, it had, had the wind down period, like you know, it would have the whatever the wind down thing was going to do, probably some sort of visual effect thing on the screen, I guess. But I mean, the wind down thing and the and the going because at the moment the the sleep tracking apparently on the Apple Watch is fairly poor the way it does it. Yeah. So at least yeah. now it'll be taking more attention to. Your movements, I think they said micro movements of your muscles and that sort of stuff when you when yeah. you sleep, when you go to sleep. So um, that's going to be good. But I just I just thought with the Apple Watch stuff, I was in somewhat sort of underwhelmed by, you know, yes, we've I think they said that we have now changed the workout app to the whatever is it the, the fitness, fitness app. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to add more watch faces. You can share watch faces with other people now, um, things like that. And I just thought. What happened to the holy grail of, and guess what, guys? You don't need your iPhone anymore near your Apple Watch because we're going to fully support apps completely running on your Apple Watch without pulling any data or anything else up from your iPhone, typically if you've got a cellular watch. But you didn't mention any of that sort of stuff, did they? Not happening this year. No. No, not, not, not quite there. Um, but but it, I do think that, that you know the fitness app sounds like it's going to be quite improved. And even if you can't sleep, Allison, you can you can now dance. Well, if, you, if I could dance, yes, I would. Using the fitness app. <laughs> using the fitness uh-huh. app, yeah. And it will track your it'll track your dancing and count it as real exercise. It'll say, "Oh boy, you can't dance. You can't sleep. What are you gonna do?" <laughs> but but if you if you get done dancing and you can, still can't sleep, uh, you can go wash your hands because they're not gonna have a new hand oh, washing right. detector. <laughs> I want to have it since you wash, wash, wash your hands. <laughs> and I, I think that's good because I'm really tired of singing happy birthday twice every time. Yeah. So. <laughs> the person I was talking to on the, on the message here when I was in the keynote was on, I said, um, besides dancing, I wonder if increased activity typing on the keyboard actually counts as exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, apparently, apparently not. Unfortunately, but that would have been. Oh. Yeah, I guess not. Unfortunately, no, probably not. <laughs> Never mind. Here we hope. Talked a little about a little bit about privacy and some of the things that Apple really highlights there. Not nothing terribly new there. They've been working uh, on creating more and more privacy for a long time. Um, but it is interesting that that uh, there's going to there there is going to now be um, required. It sounds like by developers to report 
mm. how they treat your privacy on the app store. So you're going to mm. be able to see exactly, so theoretically at least, what's going to happen when you download an app, what's going to happen to your privacy. Facebook question mark? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of information there. Yeah. Um, uh, and they 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 talked also in the context of privacy a, a lot about um, HomeKit. They're really trying to make it more seamless and make it smarter about helping you set up your devices and so forth while keeping everything private. They're going to be using some facial recognition to to let your camera tell you who's at the door, and even your HomePod can announce that once it identifies who it is at the door. So. What was really cool too, and they only brushed over this very quickly, and I thought they should have spent more time on it. But that was working on a stand in between Apple, Amazon, and Google to see if all the devices will better talk to each other as far as setup and interactability. So that was actually really, really important. But they sort of that was almost just like one or two sentences, and then they, they just moved on. They thought, I have got so many Google Homes and Echoes in my house, and God knows how many HomePods. Wouldn't it be nice to have all my home kit stuff and everything else talk to each other? So that was pretty exciting as well. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting to see how that, that evolves. Mm. A little bit about Apple TV, not a lot. Um, picture in picture coming all, all across Apple TV. And they're, it sounds like trying to make it uh, work more seamlessly with the other devices. Arcade gaming, it's going to work now with Xbox and so forth. Nothing that was terribly exciting well, although, although, although from an accessibility point of view, Robert, the, the effect that the Xbox Elite the accessibility controller from the Xbox when I work on the Apple TV. So if you've got physical impairment and you need an accessible uh, game controller, and the fact that you can actually use the accessible Xbox controller on the Apple TV now is pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah, that is good. That's a good point. Apple TV Plus coming to Sony TVs and Vizio TVs. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, it's already on the Fire TVs. It's really good. Yeah. Showed a trailer. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just about to talk about the trailer about Foundation. I thought, oh, yes, please. I love Isaac Asimov. And to even think that that Foundation series was written over 70 years ago, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yes. So we we moved on then to Mac OS, and the new OS is going to be called Big Sur. <laughs> Do you know anything about the background of that? E- either of you, where that comes from? It's like a mountain or a range yeah. of mountains. Yeah. I know that because I lived in California. Okay, but I never, but I never went there. So. No, and, and and like I said at the beginning, if you don't live in California, you don't know what the Big Sur is. Um, I can just see people going S I R for the Mac OS yeah. rather than S U R. So that's going to be <laughs> going to be really really funny. Yeah, yeah. quite a bit of redesign of buttons and controls. To, it sounds like very. Uh, this was a very, very visual um, oriented redesign. Uh, we don't know yet what, what that is or isn't going to mean for voiceover, um, but they did change the, uh, the sounds on the Mac and what they, what we heard in the, in the presentation is, to me, the sounds were very pleasant. It sounded nice. Yeah. It did. Yeah. But it's the hell out of the quack and the glass sound and whatever else there is in there. So it's about time that yeah. was about- that was good. The other really cool thing was the control center finally comes to the Mac. Yes. Yeah. I thought, please. Say a little bit, if you don't mind, about the about what the control center is. 
So what what though it's it almost looks like or it's very similar to what you get on the on the um on the iOS stuff. So they were talking about you could you know you could alter things like do not disturb, you can change some of your other settings. Um and I would imagine it's going to work in a similar way to the way we bring up notifications already, because they were also talking about the fact that we're going to get those new notification widgets coming over from iOS as well. So hopefully that also means that the widgets can sit on your desktop on your Mac as well. So again, it's just better control over your environment so, because I, every time the Mac gets talked about, I go, hooray, my favorite OS operating system besides mm -hmm. iPad OS. Apple TV and the Apple Watch, but it's still my favorite operating system, depending on what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it, it was really, really cool. I was really excited to hear that the, the control center. But you're right, the um, the UI changes. The moment that caught my attention from a low point of low vision point of view was the translucency of the menu bar now. Yeah. Mm. But, oh, please make that configurable because right. you get low vision people going, I can't see my menu bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be I, I, tricky that, if it's yeah, it's going to be configurable. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it does seem to me that that really they have upped their game a whole lot in the last year or two on, on they really put focus back on the Mac. We'll talk more about something that's going to happen that's even highlights that more in a minute. They did say that they have done a a new version of maps on the Mac and you'll be able to add favorites, you'll be able to check your airport gate before you go to the airport, um, new location information, um, and they have greatly improved, apparently, the ability for developers to make Catalyst um, apps, which are apps that are ported over from iOS and iPadOS. They've, they've been able to, to add a lot more sophistication to Catalyst so that these, these apps really behave and look like native mac apps this is this is what where they've been saying they were going with this and be interesting to see how close they've gotten because some of the first attempts at catalyst apps which were things like the the the, the podcast app on the mac and uh uh, maybe the music app as well what were were not so great um in terms of being like native Mac apps, but it sounds like they feel like they've made a lot of progress on Catalyst this year. Well, it's interesting because you've also got to transfer between a touchscreen interface to a keyboard slash trackpad slash mouse interface. So that's going to have a lot of implications, particularly when we talk about some interesting point, which they brought up last in the keynote. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's looking really, really good. And the fact that they were also talking about the new sidebar and toolbars again for the apps on the Macs so are very similar to what they're doing on iOS. So mm -hmm. And like there was a lot of UI updates, so better better toolbars, um, better UI elements, the better dock, um, the better what us voiceover users call the extras or the status menu, all that sort of stuff. So it yeah. looks like overall they've really made a bit of a revamp of the whole system. Mm -hmm. And we just hope it, it, you know, it's not just hugely buggy, right? Because it sounds like big changes. Yeah. And what's that going to mean this fall? Um, We'll just have to wait and see. Huge update to Safari, it sounds like. Even faster and, and yes. uh, um, a, a lot of improvement to battery life on the portables running Safari. Um, can get a, a pri privacy report. You know, a, a lot of the things are are becoming more and more 
similar across um, the, all the devices. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. Apple's never, Apple's always said they're not going to turn the Mac into an iOS device, but, <laughs> but th- th- they definitely are working toward making it pretty easy to switch mm-hmm. back and forth and, and things look and feel pretty similar. Don't, don't you all think that that's my impression anyway? I would definitely agree that they're, they're really going for that uniformity. Um, I abandoned Safari for Chrome a long time ago, but oh really? Uh, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, that's why I sort of side slightly when, when Robert said it because unfortunately Safari does not work well with web-based apps at all. It's absolutely painful. I can our client management system at work works beautifully with Chrome, but it's absolutely quote crap unquote with mm-hmm. Safari. Whilst they were talking about privacy and better extension control, about what web pages and that have access to the extensions and uh, faster load times and the translation of websites into your own language. And I thought, well, that's all well and good. But if you can't use your standard banking site, shopping site, web management system, blah, 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 with your web browser, i.e. Safari, then there's not much point for all these other features. So I just hope along with all these fantastic new features that they've at least updated the browser engine to make it a bit more compatible with right. what Chrome do. Are the problems uh, with those sites, David, are they um, problems for everyone? Are they accessibility-related issues? No, they're accessibility-related issues. So, for example, um, Safari half the time can't work out what a combo box is and what, it's, what voiceover is supposed to do with it. It can't work out where the edit field is in relation to a label. Um if you've got buttons that are grouped slightly together, voiceover can't work out what the buttons are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just little things that, and, and every now and again, I think, oh, it can't be that bad. I'll just go and use Safari again. And I spend two minutes in Safari and go, oh, shit, it's that, it's that bad. So I'll just mm. go back to again. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I, I continue to use Safari on, on the Mac, but I, I will admit that for my uh, web-based apps that I use for work, which we have to use. I, I use them on Windows with with Jaws. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I the only time I tend to use my Windows computer, which is my Surface Pro sitting right next to me, um, is when I have to really get into our client management system and do a lot, a lot of stuff with it. Um, and that's primarily for web browsing, and of course, maybe a bit more to do with Microsoft Word on on the Surface Pro. But everything else, I tend to still use the Mac for. Yeah. Yep. So um, then Tim came back and started talking about the fact that the Mac is really going to be transitioning to a whole new level. And what he was trying to get around to was to tell us that indeed the Mac is going to be moving to using Apple's own silicon, the, the Apple's own chip. So it's going to be moving away from the Intel uh, processors to the uh, similar processors to what are used on the other Apple products. And this has been something that people were really speculating about. Would Apple indeed make this announcement at this time? And they did. Uh, you all, I'd be really curious to hear you all's thoughts and feelings about all that. Well, I mean, I think it's good. I think is you know, as much as Apple can can manufacture on their own, you know, 
Um, it's only going to make everything work better. I mean, the processors in my in my iPhones of late have been, you know, fantastic. So I can only imagine how good, you know, a, a Apple-based chip would be in a uh, in a Mac. Um, you know, I just I'm 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 you know I'm excited to check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to me, to me, the couple of the main things would be the fact that because. Apple has got such a tight fit between the hardware and the software, particularly what they've done with iOS. I mean, they've got better battery life, better screen performance, um, better chip performance, all that sort of stuff. So, again, they're going to be do that between marrying the the Mac OS back to the hardware. So that's number one. Number two for me is that the fact that it opens up a lot more opportunities. So um, when I was talking to my friend on on message uh, halfway through the conference, I or well, the keynote, I said. They haven't mentioned anything about running iPhone and iOS apps under emulation, like Rosetta type stuff on the Mac yet. And of course, when they started talking about Apple Silicon, they went, oh, and by the way, under emulation mode, you'll be able to run your iPhone and iPad, <laughs> iOS app. And went, uh-huh. Oh, my prayers have been answered. And I thought, oh, God, here goes another purchase for me coming on this year. I had to buy another Mac. Yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so at this point, what is it, the new car? Um, was that a new car and a new Mac? So that's not too bad going so far. But <laughs> what they did say I thought was interesting was um, they're going to have a Mac out by the end of the year, which would be pretty cool. They're then going to extend the line further on, but they're still going to be producing Intel Macs still. So mm-hmm. I thought if you don't want to jump off the boat yet, um, then you can still get your Intel Macs. But certainly the stuff about the um, the, the the stuff to run on the, the new Mac processors and the fact that it's a, a lot faster – I found the guy who did the presentation about the Mac and the fact that, you know, they said, you know, all the transition started with the iPhone. I don't know about you two, but I just felt he spoke too fast. I couldn't quite mm. sort of coming at about 110 miles an hour. And I just thought you need to slow down a bit, mate, and sort of pace your points a bit because I, he got halfway through his little speechy bit. And I thought, what the hell have you been talking about for the last five minutes? So I, I was lost. Yeah. I got, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it was unfortunate that they were really uh, using him to try to make a very cogent case for how they have been developing this silicon for 10 years, starting with the iPhone. And if people were not able to really understand or he was moving too fast and people weren't catching it, that's that's unfortunate because I think Apple was trying to, to really show people that we know what we're doing here, moving to the Mac. And so that's, that's too bad if, if, it, if that didn't, for, for some people, didn't come across very well. Right. And, and I, I thought it was funny too because when we went from the, the PowerPC days where we didn't have voiceover at all, um, we had that we didn't have outspoken for the Mac for a while there either. So mm-hmm. now, when we're transitioning from Intel to you know Apple Silicon chip, then we don't have to worry too much about accessibility because it's all going to be still part of the operating system. And the fact that they also said that this thing is absolutely going to scream with power and processing speed, that's going to be absolutely amazing. So mm-hmm. uh, my poor little, my poor, or I should say, one of my little MacBook Airs, he was. Of 2013 and my son's very much into music these days so i have a funny feeling that um i might be hopefully testing out the new apple silicon chip at the end of the year so that should be really really interesting to have a look at yeah it should be really interesting yeah. and, and you know they already have all of apple's native apps running 
on this new chip. They talked a lot about how well they work, and they're working with other companies to 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 get get their apps up and running. And they say it'll be more complicated than this, of course. But they say that you should be able to compile your Intel app and have it run on the new chip uh, just with by doing a few days work that they didn't get any more real detail than that but i i think they're being really optimistic but let's let's hope yeah. it does go well for for developers because i desperately am going to want my rogue amoeba apps that i love so much um, r- running on on the new silicon so we'll see as well as others but we'll, we'll see how all that goes it's it is a it is a big leap i mean it is you know a, a, a huge change and um, probably one that's needed. Apple's been pretty frustrated with the pace that Intel's been providing them with chips for a long time. And and, and a big part of their success, honestly, is that the very, very tight integration between their their hardware and their operating systems, their software. And so this really brings it full circle now. All their products will be running on chips that they manufacture. So in a lot of ways, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's good times again because I I just, I've been getting a little bit tired of basically Intel lagging behind what Apple really needs to get done. So, and and I'm pushing more out of my Mac more and more these days. So I just want, I want lots of processing speed. Thanks very much. And tighter integration between between the hardware and the software. So for me, it's, it's about time basically. They did mention that this new chip is going to support virtual environments such as Linux, but they did not mention Windows. Who so, cares? <laughs> yeah, I, I personally don't care. Um, but but a lot of people did run Windows on their Macs. Mm-hmm. No, it's, sac- it's sacrilege, Robert. Sacrilege. I, I agree. I stopped doing it a long time ago. So, especially when you can buy a fine Windows computer now for three hundred bucks, right. it'll it'll last at least two or three months. <laughs> a crappy operating system on a crappy bit of hardware, get an IBM compatible PC and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm biased or anything. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and they've got a developer program starting today, and the developer program is going to include the fact that they can apply for some hardware they're going to run the uh the 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 system the new silicon on mac mini type hardware which they're going to be providing to developers so they're they're moving on this thing really fast it sounds like and what i'm really lucky about here in australia i work closely with a lady at apple in australia and I can normally get my hands on some um, not pre-release hardware, but I can certainly get my the same stuff that the um, the journalists normally get their hands on. I can normally get my hands on the same stuff. So, um, you know, when the iPad Pro came out and the iPhone 11 Pro and everything else, I got to play with all that new hardware without having to buy it, which is nice. Very cool. So hopefully, Very I'll cool. get my hands on and do. Funny enough, some more podcasts. I want us like to use new the the new processor with fast speech. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, and that pretty well covers the keynote. The The software will be available for beta for developers starting today and for the public next month and uh, will be released, they say, this fall. So it looks to me like, in spite of all that's gone on with the pandemic, at least from, from the software point of view, they've stayed pretty much on schedule. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've done a good job. Don't know if that will be true for the new iPhone hardware, but we'll see about that, I guess, as time gets closer. Yeah. I mean, I'm loving my 11 Pro Max. If it takes a little longer, it takes a little longer. Yeah. It's not like we're starving for great iPhone at this point. Yeah. Exactly. Although, interestingly, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see if the new iPhone 12 um, has the LiDAR stuff in it because I know there's a few apps coming out now um, that's got the LiDAR stuff in it. So you can do flight of time, light sensing to objects and how far they're away and that sort of stuff. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, really- that's very interesting technology. That is. Yeah, and particularly for orientation mobility, I mean, you won't have to carry around your you know, your buzz clip or your Cineband or your mini guide or your whatever else you want. Exactly. Just mm-hmm. take an iPhone and wave it around and see what objects are nearby and how far right. away. That'd be really interesting. Uh, before we go, David, you, you know, I realize this is not directly connected to the keynote, but, but, but we're talking about iPhones and new iPhones and all you've made a pretty strong case, at least for yourself, I think for the new iPhone SE as being a, a really viable, um, option for, for especially for people who are blind well the, the i guess a couple of the main benefits and, and and again this is my my personal and i guess my professional view here at vision australia in australia but lots of people can't cope with the iphone 10 style gestures and that's taking your finger up from the bottom of the screen and you know waiting for the first vibration the second one and, and so on and so on mm-hmm. so definitely the second one that's always got me about the iPhone 10 and above is that I absolutely detest, hate, despise Face ID. Mm. Uh, so I don't like it at all. Uh, in fact, I, for me, it's got a security issue because my wife, if I turn off you know, my, my eyes identification, just recognizes my face, my wife can still pick up my iPhone, point it at my face and unlock my phone. Now, yeah. that's my wife here. But Come on, else, David, like, you got to trust this woman. How long have you been married to her now? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, you know, that's got to good implications. So for me, lots of clients like a home button that you can press the button. Yeah. And or the fact that you can just use Touch ID to unlock your phone. In fact, for me, when I'm listening to podcasts a lot, everything else, then I can just stick my head in my pocket, press my home button, does my Touch ID to unlock my phone and start playing my podcast. I don't have to actually tap my phone out, look at the screen, do that sort of stuff with it. So to me, because it's got the same 13 Bionic chip in it, um, I don't need the fancy iPad, you know, sorry, the iPhone Pro yeah. Mac. So mm-hmm. if the new iPhone 12 has the LiDAR stuff in it, then I'll be down first thing in the morning to grab a new iPhone. Yeah. Well, it's a good point. I, I think that I, I honestly do miss the ability to, unlock the phone in my pocket especially when i use it with a braille display um it's really nice to be able to do that without having to take the phone out but you and i both allison have not adopted david's uh, approach like we've we've gone head on into the into the new phones and and i guess they have their pros and cons but but i I wouldn't go back nor would i i mean i i have um, actually for work, an iPhone 7 that still has Touch ID. Um, but honestly, now, you know, using both throughout the day, um, I don't I don't see as big of an advantage of one over the other. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just so used to Face ID now. Now, my husband, TJ, I think that in his heart of hearts, 
he still likes touch id better and that's fine but he's gotten better with the face id but it, he struggles a little more with it yeah well, well i mean you know there there is a case to be made and i'm really glad that that they came out with the new se hardware I think yeah. it, meet, it meets a need and a desire that a lot of people have. So, so I, I would have to say that I'm really overall um, pleased with a lot of what Apple has been doing for the last uh, several months, including this keynote today. And I, I know um, you expressed a couple things, David, that, that you wish um, we had gotten and all that. But, but I, I'm I'm pretty satisfied for the most part with. With with what the way we're seeing Apple move forward, uh, you all have any final comments or any anything, just impressions that you all want to share? This was a big one. I mean, this was one of the bigger keynotes that I've seen in a while. And as always, I'm just excited to get to dive in and play with the beta to see, you know, because there's always things that aren't covered in the keynotes improvements. Um, we hope, you know, to accessibility. Um, so I'm eager to get in and sort of play with that and just see, yeah. you know, what's been made better. Absolutely. I mean, it's a pretty pivotal type of keynote because really it's, it's really all about productivity and what they're doing with iOS and macOS really points out the productivity issues. I mean, the changes to the UI, the fact that you've got all these things sliding between both operating systems now, um, improvements to the sidebar, the toolbar, uh, better Siri because it takes up less room for a visual person on the screen. Um, faster processing, um, more data points to access. You know, I know I had a, I, we talked about Safari not being fantastic, but I mean the improvements to Safari look really, really, really good. Um, and the fact that you know Microsoft and Adobe are working on the the Catalyst app for the new Apple Silicon that's actually really interesting. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you know, what Apple's doing is really, really, really busy, and they're and they're always moving forward, and they're in, they're innovating all the time. So I know people sit back and go, oh, "What the hell's Apple doing? They've only got an iPhone, and they don't do much else." But when you said they've been working on this stuff for years and years and years, right? It's pretty amazing when you think, "Oh, you have been working on this for." 10 years haven't you yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i thought i saw on twitter um somebody told me that they saw that that um at least now you can change your default mail and um and web browsing apps on ios yeah, that, too. that sounds really really good doesn't it yeah mm. i would like to be able to I, I like the mail app i probably won't change that but mm. i would like to change to chrome mm-hmm yeah and and kind of to I appreciate that summary that that you all you've summarized uh kind of what went on pretty well and that's great thank you for that I think that'll help people kind of re revisit it at the end here um but you know my my worry is I just really hope we don't have a a summer like we had last summer where the new operating system systems were so problematic so buggy especially with with voiceover and mm -hmm. I'm just really hopeful that we don't experience that again. And a lot of people have called for Apple to slow down and, and do incremental updates and not try to have everything in it for the fall. But I don't know. It's, it's too early to tell right now what it's going to be like in terms of the betas and all. So I'm just hopeful for a smoother summer. Me too. Sorry, Lesson, I was just going to say, like, the, the, sometimes I, I like bugs because normally bugs lead to, to enhancements and improvements. So yeah. I know some of the bugs are absolutely, were absolutely appalling. So you think, well, really, guys, I mean, come on, really, that shouldn't have been in the first place. But 
I always find bugs in that system, particularly when you're doing testing and development work, you can actually really use as an opportunity, not only to improve or enhance that or get rid of that particular bug, but you can say, well, look, while you're working on this particular bug, you do know this other one relates to it. So if you fixed both of them at the same time, right, you'd actually come out a lot better in front. Of course. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, well, and, and with a lot of these features, you know, Apple in some ways is having to catch up uh, with some of the more behind the scenes widget um, Siri uh, features um, that, that Google already has in their assistant and in their phones too, yeah. a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I'm glad to see that that's finally happening. I know some, I was listening with a couple of friends and they were, Oh, it's catch up. And I'm like, but it needs, it needs to happen. Like, yeah. you know, because they're really neck and neck. now. I feel like in terms yeah. of productivity. Absolutely. Same here. And look, that, that, that's why I said before, but I just wish their data sources now are a lot better. So when I said, you know, before when, my poor old Siri at the moment can't give me any information about public transport here in Australia. That would be one of my main ones because every time somebody asks me to compare the HomePod with the Echo to the the Google Assistant, I always say, look, overall, you know, forgetting weather and setting timers and alarms and accessing your third stuff to do with home, that all sort of works. But some of the basic stuff you'd expect an AI to do these days, um, Siri still doesn't do it. So, mm-hmm. and I've also noticed another thing that you um, is the fact that remember the days when Siri was only supposed to react to your closest iOS device, not all of them around you. Mm-hmm. Lately, that you know my iPod Touch goes off, my my different iPhones go off, and it's like, oi, I'm closest to this particular iOS device. Why are all the other ones going off? So I just hope. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, that there's a part of integration. If they're working on Siri, I just hope they they work on that as well. Hope so too. All right, you all, I want to thank you so much for taking your time out of this busy day to quickly come together and do this podcast. I'm going to get it up on the site as soon as I can at the latest by sometime tomorrow, maybe even sooner. I'm not going to do a lot of editing because we, we covered it pretty clearly, I think. So thank you all so much. And uh, David, as always, it's a pleasure to catch up with you a bit. Yeah, thanks, David. That's all right. Even though I've actually been in this job now for 30 years, I'm still not tired yet, so I'm still having fun. So uh, thanks for having me on again. And you get up at uh, 3 in the morning to do this keynote thing. Yes. I'm about to do another podcast in a minute for just particularly for work for my own radio program. So you were first off the rank this morning. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's really great that now Allison lives in a, a part of the country that has a decent time zone. We can right. we can come together a lot <laughs> faster uh, when yeah. it, when the when the keynote ends. So that's really cool. <laughs> and Allison, it's a pleasure to catch up with you a bit. Oh, always a pleasure, Robert. I always have fun. All right. Well, this is Robert, one of the tech doctors, and I'm going to just say so long for now. And this is Allison, the other tech doctor, saying bye, everyone. Beautiful. Very good.